invite you to turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 7 this morning. Mark chapter 7, page 843 if you're in the, the Pew Bible. We've been in the Gospel of Mark for a few months now looking at the way that uh, Mark presents Jesus to us. And this morning we have a very interesting uh, story because it's a, it's a story about Jesus and it's, it's fairly shocking to us. Uh, one of my favorite movies, if you don't know by now, is Pixar's Up. Uh, it's got the saddest first 15 minutes of any uh, movie I've ever seen, uh, not to mention a cartoon that with sad 15 minutes. But uh, you boohoo after the first 15 minutes, and then you laugh for about an hour, and then you cry for the last 15 minutes of it. But uh, in the first 15 minutes of it, you're introduced to two of the main characters, Carl uh, and Ellie. Uh, and they're both, they want to be explorers, and they... They really enjoy the idea of explorer. They, they uh, have this one uh, explorer that they look up to that they love, and, uh, and they, wanna, they both want to be explorers like this one guy. Well, Carl happens on Ellie one day, and she's playing in her playhouse, uh, and he sneaks up on her, and she doesn't know that he's there, and, she's, and, and Carl's watching Ellie do all these things, uh, being an adventurer, flying her, her ship, and all these things. And then she sees Carl, and she runs up to him, and she says, Hey, not just anybody's allowed in this club. Do you think you have what it takes? Do you? Do you? And she's real aggressive, and Carl is, is uh, he stumbles over himself. He doesn't know what to say, and he's silent. And then all of a sudden, Ellie just says, okay, you're in. She just lets him into the club because if she doesn't let him in, then it's just her, and she needs somebody else in the club. Well, that's one way that we think God allows us into his club, into his kingdom. He just, he just lets everybody in. All right. Well, another way is pictured in the 1983 movie, The Right Stuff. Now, some of you, you've never seen this. Some of you, though, uh, maybe this movie was, was uh, instrumental in your life because you remember it. It was about uh, these men uh, entering into the United States space program. And, and the question is, do they have the right stuff? Do, you, do they have what it takes to go into space and to, and to lead uh, the space program? Well, in order to have the right stuff to do that, you have to be extremely gifted. You have to be incredibly smart. You have to, to be incredible in incredible physical shape. You have to do all of the right stuff to get in. And, and at the end of the movie, you find out only a few people can actually do that. Well, those are two pictures for us of, of Christ in his kingdom. Two pictures of the way that we get in. Uh, many people believe that, that Jesus just lets anybody in for any old reason or... Only a few people, a very few, select few with all the right stuff get in. Well, in this story, we're, we're actually told about how we have the right stuff to get into Christ's kingdom. And in this story, we see Jesus and his harshness to a woman. And the things that she says, there's no way around it. It is, it is a harsh story. We live in a world where we're, we're told we have to be politically correct. We have to avoid triggering people and their emotions. We have to be very careful about what we say and how we say it just to make sure we're never offending anyone. Well, Jesus, once again, doesn't care about those things. And he calls this woman uh, pretty much a racial slur that would be um, incredibly offensive in her day and in their day. We need to wrestle with this because in many ways Jesus confronts us and is offensive to us in this way. And he says, uh, in this, the only way that you can get into his kingdom is to be confronted with and offended by Jesus. So let me read this for you. This is, uh, again, Mark chapter 7, verses 24 through 30. 
hear God's good and kind word to you this morning. And from there he arose and went to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house and did not want anyone to know, yet he could not be hidden. But immediately a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he said to her, Let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, saying, Yes, Lord, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And he said to her, For this statement you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found the child lying in bed, and the demon gone. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Let's pray and ask for his help in understanding this word. Pray with me. Father, we thank you for giving us this word, and we thank you for all of the harshness and the realness of this. And Father, I pray that we would see the glory of Jesus Christ, even as he confronts this woman with who she is. And even as he teaches us what it means to have the right stuff to enter into his kingdom. Father, I pray that you would challenge our preconceived notions this morning. That you would challenge us with, with our expectations of, of who Jesus is and, and what we want him to be. So that we can see that he is exactly who we need at all times. And we pray this in Christ's holy name. Amen. So I want to look at this in three ways this morning. First of all, in verses 24 through 26, we're going to see uh, that this woman has all the wrong stuff. All the wrong stuff. Secondly, in verse 27, we're going to see Jesus in his harsh answer. He gives this woman a very harsh answer to her in verse 27. And then in verses 28 through 30, we're going to see the right response. So begin. we're going to begin this morning, verse 24, with all of the wrong stuff. Where, where does Jesus go? Well, he's been ministering in Capernaum in the northern area of Israel. Uh, that's where most of his ministry took place. And Mark tells us that they get up and they leave there and they go to another place. Where do they go? They go to the region of Tyre and Sidon. Uh, this is the uh, area that we know as ancient Phoenicia. It was a, a very powerful nation at various times. Uh, in the ancient world. Uh, and you need to know that it's a Gentile land. right? Now at one point in their history they had been neighbors and friends. Or, or good friends with the nation of Israel. Especially during the time of King David and King um, uh, Solomon's reign. They actually had a, a treaty. They had a contract. And they worked together very well. Uh, but later on in their history some very bad things happened. Tyre and Sidon are the areas that Queen Jezebel is from. All right, Queen Jezebel is one of the most wicked characters ever in all of history, but in the Bible she is a terribly wicked queen. So wicked that when she dies, she's pushed out of a window, she falls, she bursts open, and dogs come and lick her up, and her bones aren't buried. All right, That's the way that Queen Jezebel died. The Israelites could not stand her. And she was from Tyre and Sidon. And also, about 200 years before this, in the Maccabean Revolt, uh, Tyre and Sidon uh, actually sided against the Maccabeans and the Israelites in that revolt, and actually were some of the ones that were helped to subdue the Israelites in that revolt. So Jesus goes to this area that at this time would have been one of the worst places for any Israelite to go. 
Remember, they hated the Gentiles. They hated people that lived outside of Israel. But Tyre and Sidon, it was just, they thought it was a disgusting place. And Jesus takes his disciples and they go there. Now, why does he do that? Well, for the rest of chapter 7, he's been teaching that it isn't about where you're from, who your mom and dad are, what you eat, what you don't eat that makes you a believer. That allows you entrance into the kingdom of God. And so to illustrate that, Jesus picks up with his disciples and they go to this land that would have been considered unclean. So we see, first of all, they go to the wrong place. But secondly, we have a picture of the wrong woman, the wrong person. What this woman does, it's, it's a huge social embarrassment. Uh, because... Women just did not go up to men in this day. Men and women did not talk to each other. Women and men could not, uh, could not look each other in the eye out in public. And, and here's an example of a woman coming to Jesus. But she's wrong and more than just uh, because of she commits some kind of social faux pas. Well, she's a Gentile. And what does that mean? Well, that means that racially... Uh, By the Israelites, she was considered completely separate from God. Because she was a Gentile, there was no way for her to get to God. So she was separated from God. Secondly, she was a woman. Uh, In Greek-speaking areas of the world, uh, women were considered second-class citizens. They couldn't testify in a court of law because uh, men believed that they couldn't trust uh, women in their their word. They couldn't uh, buy land or do anything apart from a man doing those things for them. Uh, And under the Israelite rule, women had a few more, um, uh, a few more, uh, a little bit more social status. But still, uh, women in this day were considered second-class citizens. They had almost no social status. Um, Pharisees, the leaders of the Israelites in this day, when they would wake up every morning, and these were these were men. They would pray a few things and they would say, Lord, thank you for not making me a Gentile. Thank you that I'm not an unclean Gentile. So this woman is a Gentile and the Pharisee men would stand up and say, thank you that I'm not a Gentile. Secondly, Lord, thank you for not making me a woman. Every morning they would wake up and pray that. And so most of the Israelites believed that because she was a Gentile and because she was a woman... Uh, She was a second-class citizen. But there's even more going on here because we read in these verses that she is the mother of of a girl that is possessed by an unclean spirit. This whole chapter has been about uncleanliness. And here is a woman who has been taking care of a daughter who would have been considered ceremonially unclean. So she has three strikes against her. She's a Gentile, she is a woman, and she's the mother of an unclean girl. And so many would think that she was uh, deserving of the things that she got. The reason why many people would think uh, her daughter was possessed by a demon was because this woman deserved it. She, she deserved to face God's wrath. And so, yeah, she was getting what she deserved. She had, uh, the picture of this is that she had no right to approach Jesus. In and of herself, she had no right to approach Jesus because she did not meet the standard. She did not have the right stuff to come to Jesus. As a matter of fact, she had all of the wrong stuff. Uh, We talk about rights a lot, whether you're conservative or liberal. We we actually are consumed with our rights. If you're conservative, it's it's the Bill of Rights. It's all the things that you think that because you're an American citizen, you have the rights to all of these things. The right to bear arms, that's kind of a big one. The right to free speech, the right to your religion. 
Those are big deals and conservatives. We get all up, up in arms if you try to take, literally we get up in arms, if you try to take our rights from us. Well, uh, liberals, or cons- liberals or progressives, they have their own view of rights. You see, conservative or liberal are constantly battling about really what rights we have and what rights we don't. They all feel entitled to certain rights. And so this entitlement mentality is part of our culture. Whether you're conservative or liberal, it doesn't matter. You believe you are entitled to certain rights. And and here's what Jesus is saying here, and here's what we find in this woman. She is not entitled to any rights before Jesus. And she is a picture before us. or, or, Or she is a picture before us of who we are before Jesus Christ. Because here's the reality. Here's what the Bible teaches us about us. You have no rights before God. You deserve nothing. Well, you deserve one thing from God. And if you understand this, if you hear this this morning and you understand this and you take this in to your ears and you let it go down and sink down into your heart, it will be the most freeing thing that you hear. You only deserve one thing from God this morning. You deserve nothing less than the wrath of God for eternity because you are a sinner and that is what you deserve. I don't care if you're born in the United States. I don't care if you think you have any rights before God and you say, I'm an American, I have certain rights. The Bible says you're only right. The only thing that you truly deserve is the wrath of God for eternity because your sin has offended a holy God. We sang about him at the beginning of this service. Holy, holy, holy. You deserve the wrath of God. That's it. Now... That is the most freeing thing that you can hear because guess what you have not gotten if you're sitting in here today. You have not yet received the wrath of God. And so everything that you, else that you get, whether you live under one president or the other, regardless of who is elected in November, regardless of what happens in this world, as long as Jesus doesn't come back, you have not received the unmitigated wrath of God for eternity yet. That's all you deserve. Everything else is just bonus. Even your suffering, it's a small taste of the wrath of God, but it is not the full wrath of God. And that's what this woman teaches us, that she deserves nothing but the wrath of Jesus. But she doesn't get that. Let's go on and let's look at what happens. So she comes to Jesus and she says over and over and over. And actually uh, uh, in verse 26, if you look at the middle of verse 26, it says, And she begged um, Jesus uh, to cast the demon out of her daughter. Now that word begged, it means to continually beg. It means to not stop begging. If you go back and look at Matthew's account of this, uh, you don't have to turn there. But in Matthew chapter 15, he gives... The same account of this, and he says that she continually will not stop driving Jesus nuts about this. So Jesus ignores her for a very long time in Matthew's account, and we're told that he does that. And the disciples are so bothered by this woman that they go to Jesus and they say, Look, Jesus, can you just send this woman away? You made the crowds go away. Surely you can make this one aggravating woman go away. But Jesus doesn't send her away. She continually begs. She continually asks for Jesus to do this thing. And and we see Jesus' harsh response or harsh answer. This is the second point part in verse 27. And Jesus said to her, Let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it 
to the dog, dogs. All right, so what's going on with this woman? She, she has an understandable uh, uh, request of Jesus. She's, she's heard about Jesus somehow or another. She's heard all about his miraculous work. She's heard that he cast out demons. And so this is a woman who is desperate for help for her daughter, and she goes to Jesus, and Jesus ignores her. Jesus just doesn't do anything for her. And then finally, what he does is he gives her this response. He says, you know, let the children be fed first. It's not right to give the children's bread to the dog. This is a common Jewish slur for Gentiles. Uh, At various times in the Old Testament, you can see this slur that is used. Um, And it is not a polite thing, no matter how you interpret this. Because the word that's used there is actually the word for little dogs. and, And it would be a house pet. But even still, if you call somebody a dog, even today, that is a, a, a bad thing. It is a slur. So, so what's happening here? This is Jesus, right? This is Jesus that's supposed to be loving and kind to everyone. Well, well, why is Jesus calling this woman a Gentile dog? Why is he confronting her and giving her this harsh answer? That Does he not care about her? Well, here's the reality. That Jesus does care about this woman. And Jesus cares about you and me as well. What Jesus is doing here is he is exposing the thing that this woman fears the most. He is taking her and exposing who she really is to herself. This is what God does. Uh, This is actually the very history of Yahweh from the Bible. If you go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. All the way back. And and Adam and Eve sin against God. And what do they do? They take those fig leaves and they put them together. And they try to sow them to hide their nakedness. And then God calls them out and he says, Who told you you were naked? Their fig leaves didn't do anything. And God says, I'm exposing you for your own good. I'm reminding you that you're naked. And so here, Jesus is exposing who this woman really is. He says to her, You are a dog. Jesus knows her. Jesus knows that she needs to meet who she really is. He knows exactly where he needs to go in order to probe the depths of who she is so that she can truly meet Jesus Christ. If you've ever gone to the doctor and you've had, uh, let me not use the doctor, let me use my dad as an example, physical therapist. There's a reason why physical therapists are called physical terrorists, okay? Um, Whenever you meet a physical therapist, no offense, Shelby, right? whenever you meet, a, or Maggie, okay, whenever you meet a physical therapist, you go to them and, and you hurt somewhere and, and they begin to take their hands and move them on the place where it hurts and, and eventually they get to the spot and you say, it hurts there. My dad was famous for this. He would say, right, if your knee hurt, he would, he would start massaging and pressing and then all of a sudden he got to the place where it hurt and he would press and it seemed like he would just press down really hard. Does it hurt there? Yes, it hurts right there and he goes good we know where the problem is that's what jesus is doing jesus is taking this woman and he's pressing right where the problem is and he does that for us as well because coming to jesus is not just a matter of you being okay with who you are and jesus going you know you're pretty good you're okay no coming to jesus means he exposes your exposes your heart to yourself And he calls her a dirty dog and he exposes her about what she's really like. Now, this is the danger in coming to Jesus. This is the danger in being a Christian because Jesus would say this thing about you. And actually, he does say this thing about you. Essentially, what Jesus is saying to this woman is it wouldn't be right to help out a woman like you, a dog like you, or 
It wouldn't be right to help out a mother like you. You can't even get the laundry done. It wouldn't, even, it wouldn't be right to help a husband like you because you can't even say kind words about your wife. It wouldn't be right, it wouldn't be right to, to help a, a father like you because you would rather be at work than be with your children. It wouldn't be right, it wouldn't be right to help out a, a woman like you who gossips the way that you do. It wouldn't be right to help out a person like you who has cheated on your husband or your wife. It wouldn't be right to, to help out a boy like you because of the things that you've looked at on the Internet. It wouldn't be right to help you out because you're gluttonous, because you love food more than you love God. It wouldn't be right to help you because you're a drunkard. You see what Jesus is doing? He's saying this is who you really are. It would not be right to help out someone who is as impure and as gross or proud or arrogant as you are. And what Jesus is doing is he's telling you the truth about who you are in this woman. Because this is not the Jesus that you want. If it were up to us, if it were up to our sinful hearts, we'd want the Jesus that was just okay with us. We would want our little pet sins, our little idolatries, the little things that we thought made us okay, plus Jesus. And Jesus says, I'll have nothing of that. I want you. I want all of you. And I will probe you and touch you where it hurts so that you know who I truly am. Now that is terrifying. That is absolutely scary, but it's the thing that you absolutely need. Jesus exposes your heart to yourself. Now, what I find incredible here, and what we should find incredible, is the woman's right response in verses 28 through 30. Jesus says, you're a dirty dog. Why should I help you? It's not right to give the children's bread to the dogs. And look at what she says. She says, yes. She agrees with Jesus. Yes, Lord. Um, go through and, and uh, if you have time, uh, at some point, just take your time, any time to do this. This will be homework for you for the next 30, 40, 50 years, however long. Read the gospel accounts and, and underline every time in the Bible or every time in the four gospels when somebody says, yes, Lord, to Jesus. It almost never happens. This is one of the few times that it does. Here is a Gentile woman, a dirty dog, an unclean woman who confesses Jesus Christ as her Lord. She says, yes, Lord, I am a dog. You nailed it. That is exactly who I am. But look at what she says. She says, but even the dogs eat eat, uh, under the table or eat the, the children's crumbs. Yes, Lord. That is who I am. She says, yes, Lord, I have no rights to come before you. Lord, you know me better than I know myself. Yes, Lord. But even the dogs get to eat the crumbs. You see, she's saying, Lord, just, just give me some crumbs. Just give me a little bit of the leftover. I don't need all of you. I just need a little bit of you. She says, I have no rights. I have nothing good to offer you, but... But can you, by your grace and your mercy, help me? You see, she doesn't approach Jesus Christ in her goodness. She doesn't come to Jesus and say, Jesus, look, I read my Bible five times this week. You know, I went to the temple. I made the sacrifices. I was nice to everyone I met. 
I didn't get cuss out anybody. I didn't do all these things. She didn't say, Jesus, accept me because of all the good things I've done. She says, Jesus, I have nothing good. Accept me because of your goodness. You see, she comes to Jesus because Jesus is good. Most of the time, we're coming to Jesus saying, Lord, I hope I've done enough to make you happy. And Jesus says, you can't stop trying. What an amazing response she gives. Well, how should you respond? How do you approach Jesus? Do you approach Jesus thinking, I've got the right stuff, he's got to approach me? Or he's just going to let me in, he's just going to forget about it. Well, you don't have the right stuff. And he won't just let you in. So how do you get in? Well, it goes back to Zechariah 3. There's a reason why I read that to you. Uh, The story of Joshua the high priest standing before the holy God in the holy of holies on the day of atonement. And he's not clean. As a matter of fact, he's covered in human filth. What does he deserve for standing before the holy God in that way? He deserves the wrath of God. And Satan is there accusing Joshua, accusing him and saying, he's filthy, he deserves your wrath. And God says to Joshua, or God says, take off the filthy garments and give him my garments, give him my cleanliness, give him my goodness. Joshua had all the wrong stuff and God gave him the right stuff so that he could stand before him. Well, that's a picture for us of what Jesus Christ came to do. You see, this woman, accepting this woman means that Jesus has to go to the cross. She is unclean. She is unfit. She is the wrong person in the wrong place. She is defiled and unclean, just like we are. And Jesus goes to the cross to take all of our uncleanliness and the punishment that our uncleanliness deserves. He goes to take the eternal wrath that you deserve. On the cross. That's why he's there. And then what happens is that God gives you all of his goodness. Just like he gave Joshua that that robe to cover him. We're covered in the good work of Jesus Christ. In his righteousness. So on the cross, Jesus takes the penalty that you deserve. And he gives you his righteousness. So that you are no longer a dirty dog before God. You are no longer unfit. But you are perfectly accepted and acceptable because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. Now, all of you this morning have come believing that there's something that you can hold up to God that makes you right with him. Only the finished work of Jesus Christ will do. Remember, you deserve nothing but the wrath of God. But by his grace and mercy, through faith in Jesus, you get eternal joy, eternal happiness. Pray that you have faith in Christ and that that is yours this morning. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for giving us this word. And we thank you for, even in the harshness of Christ's words to this woman, we see his love for her and reminding her that, that he is the one that is good, that he is the one that does things according to his grace and mercy. Father, we, we beg upon that grace and mercy today. And I pray that all of us would be found in your son, Jesus Christ, through faith in his finished work. And we pray this in his holy name. Amen. We're going to stand now and sing our hymn of response number 629.